The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, this is James from Cave Dweller Music. I'm here with my co-host Brendan for another episode. Today we have Chris Lutter with us. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, getting the chance to talk to y'all. Awesome. Um, you're in a couple of projects actually. So did you want to just maybe tell people who you play with and, and what type of music you play? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, most prominent band that I'm with right now is uh, Lava Born. Uh, uh, we're kind of like on the side of like classic metal, you could call us. Uh, I'm the uh, lead singer for that project. Uh, my second band is one that's called the Sky Speakers, where I dispute or I play uh, bass and vocals for it. Uh, we just released an EP last year. Uh, and then my third band is one that I'm kind of getting off the ground. It's a solo project called uh, Crowd of Souls. Awesome. And nice. then I know that you also review music as well. Yep. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I kind of do it on a uh, more casual basis these days. Uh, I uh, did write for a couple different websites. I was with uh, Indian Metal Vault for the longest. I think that's where most folks uh, know me from at this point. And then uh, I was also with Ghost Cult for a minute. And then uh, just a couple others here and there. Uh, these days, I mostly just like, hey, let me just like put a hot take on Facebook. And then if it's good enough, I'll copy paste it to the Metal Archives. But that's nothing... <laughs> You know, nothing too serious at the moment. I'm kind of keeping it that way. That's fair enough. It's uh definitely takes the pressure off. You can kind of just cover whatever you want, whenever you want, with no deadlines. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, there's habits that you pick up if you do this for long enough. But there's also just that sort of feeling of you know, if I'm going to treat this like a job, you know, and sometimes it gets to be that sort of feeling with a lot of different sites. Right. It's like, well, if, it's, if you're going to bend over backwards like this, you might as well pay like a job and all this doesn't really pay. So, <laughs> right, but exactly. It's, it's good to have the, uh, you know, that sort of flexibility of just being able to be, you know, so I keep a, I still keep a pretty close eye on like new releases and stuff. And that's most of what I review still. But it's right. also kind of nice to just be like, hey, I kind of just want to talk about this Nightwish album for a minute or whatever. Right, exactly. And then you, yeah. you also are an admin in a Facebook group that, um, I guess, deconstructs and analyzes discographies, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a dork discography. Uh, myself and a couple other mods who uh, run it. Um, we've uh, Basically, the idea of the group is that it's like a um, kind of like a music book club where it's sort of like the, like the idea of it is uh, we listen to it like Basically, we choose an artist uh, and we listen to their discography album by album, like an album per day, and we talk about it. Like uh, the most recent one, we actually we actually uh, started the year off by doing the Beatles, you know, so like as one on one as you can get. But you know, just that sort of idea of today we're talking about Rubber Soul, tomorrow we're talking about Revolver, you know, the day after that Sergeant Pepper, you know, etc. Like that sort of idea of like going through an artist's discography day by day, one album at a time, and just, like, talking about it and just being like, you know, this is what we like about this, this is what we don't like, this is, you know, even just stuff like, hey, I heard this when I was, like, 16 and it blew my mind, or 
mm-hmm. you know, or I'm discovering this for the first time. I, I really love that group because for me, a lot of the stuff you cover is stuff I used to listen to or kind of forgot I liked. And then your posted discography, I'm like, oh man, I haven't listened to Modest Mouse in like five years or something. So I was like, dive back into that and listen through again. So it kind of like helps you reconnect to a lot of stuff you've heard in the past and, and think about it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Brendan, are you, a, are you a member of that group? Uh, which one? Uh, Dork Scott. Is it Dork Scography? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Dork Scography. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dorkscography on Facebook. I don't, I don't think so. You should definitely join. It's it's fantastic. Like it's it's a lot of fun. I definitely yeah. will. Yeah, we always like to have uh, new people in and just like you know, I you know, we try to make it as inclusive as we can. It's just sort of one of those things of you know, if this album is you know one that doesn't appeal to you. It's like you know, you can always chime in with like, hey, I don't like this album, but you know, you never want to cross it into. I don't like this album, and you're a dickhead for liking it. Yeah, we try to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, we we I, I yeah we're not we're not big on doing stuff like that at all. Yeah, that's all that shit. But what 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 I do like though is that like some people have actually raised some points on some of the albums that I never considered. And I'm like, oh man, that actually kind of changes the way I think about this. And I, I re, uh, you know, reassess the album and approach it from that perspective. And I'm like, huh, okay, I actually appreciate this now, and I didn't before. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about it. That's why I, you know, that's what keeps me coming back to it personally. Is just that that hope of, you know, who's going to like put a really thoughtful angle on this that you know will make you look at it a little differently, especially since like one of the things that's sort of we've been trying to figure out about the group is like trying to figure out how much of it is who's like coming back to revisit something that they are a huge fan of or haven't heard in a while and who's doing this as like a, Oh, I'm listening to this for the first time. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we, it's ultimately more of the former. It, it's kind of, especially lately we've had that consideration of, you know, there's like a certain depth that it can go to if that makes sense, where it's like, not like super, you know, superficial type bands, but just like the, there's usually stuff that's well known enough to like get an opinion on. Like I I did say like the Beatles, but then like, you know, the one that we did before them was like friggin' Cinderella, you know, the hair bands and like, right. You know, we've done like curated runs of like Dolly Parton and Johnny Cash and things like that. And, yeah, so we, we try to get a decent amount of variety, but it's also that consideration of, you know, it's like considering, you know, what, what we think the uh, group would be interested in. And, yeah, I know you guys. Uh, oh, sorry. As, you uh, guys do. Po- I know you guys do polls and stuff. So I think that's a great way to have a say that semi like, de- you know, democratic, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's yeah. the trick that we've done. We haven't really done as many lately, but uh one of the like the tricky part of the polls uh, in a group like that, especially, is you kind of get that thing of if there's one thing that I've kind of noticed in recent years is that there are a lot of people who kind of it's not that they have a favorite band, it's that they have an like they like the idea of their favorite band. Okay, where it'll be like that sort of thing of like, oh, we're gonna talk about Slayer. I Slayer's my favorite band, and then it's just like, oh, wait a minute. I only like the first five Slayer albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going the way I thought. Okay, later. Yeah. 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 So you're right. For sure. It's like, a, 
purists or whatever elitists like mm, i only like four five black sabbath albums and that's it that's the only ones that are good you know and it's like people have such like i don't know like they hold on to these things and they probably believe it and they haven't even gave the other ones a chance you know like i feel like it's just this common kind of like you get that with a lot of bands though it's like most of the osdm bands or death metal bands most of the classic thrash and heavy metal bands people have like three albums that they know from each one and that is all they listen to but then they call it their favorite bands i think like chris was saying right yeah exactly it, it could be a conundrum for sure like it, it's also especially interesting to see it from like the creator perspective of being just like oh i wonder like you know, you kind of wonder if you have like a shelf life in a sense of like, oh, my favorite band was only good for like ten or fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, I'm only good for ten or fifteen years. Right. It, it, it gets weird sometimes. I, I but I, I feel like about it than I should. <laughs> I feel like there are artists that break that that mold. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's definitely true of some bands and some artists, but there are then those people that are just exceptional their entire career and never like shit the bed i guess like and then some people do for a while and then come back to it like i think you and i have talked about this chris uh blue oyster cult blue. is one of those bands uh, that, oh, yeah. that they just made that comeback like in recent years and just put out these like absolutely mind-blowingly good albums in like old age and i was like holy crap where did that come from yeah well like well blue oyster cult is kind of an interesting case because it is just kind of like you know the 70s albums are great the yeah you know, like Fire of an Unknown Origin is great, but then you kind of start going through like, okay, like the later 80s stuff and the 90s stuff wasn't that great. Yeah. And then they just kind of fell off the map and you kind of think, oh, I guess they're done then. They're going to be playing right. state fairs for the rest of your life and not doing anything. And then the symbol remains comes out and it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where were you hiding that? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the best in 40 years with like no hyperbole. Right, exactly. And, it's like, <laughs> and you're just looking at it it's like, you also just re you just raise the standards for all of your peers too, where it's just yep. like it's kind of like that whole there's some like bands that kind of just get praised for existing. And yep. I'm just sitting there like, you know, boy, Esther Colton, you're right, keep are making genuinely great records still, right? Exactly. Like, it's the same with like I guess the same with Ronnie James Dio, like right until that last album, Heaven and Hell, like man never stopped making quality music. Yeah, for sure. And it's and it's always interesting when that sort of thing gets brought into it as well, where there's that sort of the points where it goes into, it's like a name recognition thing. And that, you know, you're kind of coasting by on that. And it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a conundrum. But well, like, that's, that's, that's kind of it's maybe an unpopular opinion to some, and I'm sorry if I hurt people's feelings, but that's kind of where Ozzy's <laughs> been for a little while now. Um, I mean, it's not, the, stu the stuff, the, <laughs> the stuff's not like, bad by any means but i just i think it's really just if, if he wasn't ozzy osborne i don't think it would really get very far yeah that's always what I, I end up with it it's just like okay yeah this is fine but it's just like it, it's the sort of thing realistic here where it's like no matter how if this year turns out it's going to get top 10 on revolver or whatever yeah exactly half, half of the blogs you know the metal science that case is going to have this in their albums of the year it's just like okay right whatever before exactly and, and you and i talked about that album it's like there were so many good cameos on that most recent album that he could have done something amazing with but he kind of just i don't know how to word it he kind of like 
toned them down, I guess, or limited them with what they could do to something so basic? It's, it kind of reminds me of those, you know, whenever there's like the thing where a musician passes and they'll be like, oh, they're jamming with so-and-so in heaven or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I bet Lenny is jamming with David Bowie in heaven. Sure. That's, <laughs> it's this weird thing of just like, it's like when you get those combos of like, oh, let's put, you know, this death metal drummer in there or this like Fred bass player and this singer songwriter. And it's just like, I know this is like a hypothetical thing, but what do we expect these bands to sound like? <laughs> well, well, I want to hear that now. So, <laughs> like, right. I probably won't hear anything. They'll probably just be awkwardly like, just staring at each other. Like, <laughs> Who's, who's going to make the first move? It's like, oh, some guys on Earth say we have to jam together, so. <laughs> it's just like, like, you know, it'll probably just also just end up just being okay. <laughs> exactly. Of like, well, we're also going to have to like figure out how to meet in the middle. Right, so it's just probably going to be blues rock or something. I don't, I don't even know. That's what yeah. it all comes back to. Right. <laughs> Wasn't there like some kind of thing where like they had, um, did like took AI and make made um, music with uh, bands and people, singers and stuff that were dead. I feel like that was a thing. Uh, it probably was. I think. I, yeah, I think I remember something where it was like. It was like Nirvana and like um, some other bands. Oh man, I remember the Nirvana one. Yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, that was the. <laughs> Until yeah, they have the the Kurt Cobain hologram doing a world tour. Yes. I'm pretty sure the future is holograms. That's where I'm I think so. sitting there. It's that whole thing of, you know, whenever people have that question of like, oh, who's going to replace all the old bands when the old bands are all dead? Like, the old bands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the old bands tributes and it's going to be the old bands holograms and all this stuff. And that's, we're, we're already seeing it happening. To me, I'm, 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 I'm... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I just... One of those, you know, if I may put on my tinfoil hat sort of thing, like <laughs> it, it all just feels like brand recognition at this point. And it's right. Like, part of me similar, like, you know, I, I swear in 2050, we're going to, Iron Maiden will still be around, but it's going to be like an officially sanctioned Iron Maiden, like you would go see Rent or the Band <laughs> of the Opera. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, I, yeah, that's probably an exaggeration, but it's always just that thing of, it's if you push something gradually enough, people will accept it. It seems like right. Well, question for you: We're talking about like in twenty, thirty years' time, classic bands. Do you think there are any bands from the last I don't know, twenty years that are going to be considered the classics of our generation? I guess so. We'll look back on in our fifties as as boomers and say, "Well, that's when music was good." <laughs> I hope so. Honestly, like. Like, well, I, I don't think that will happen, if only because things are, I mean, culture in general is far more niche than it used to be. Yes. Where it's one of those things of, I kind of go through bits of that with, like, 2000s traditional metal bands that, like, I heard on MySpace back in 2005. <laughs> yeah, MySpace metal. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, sure, maybe in another couple of years that'll spin back around but I, i've kind of wondered how 
that sort of thing will work in the future. Where right, or even just like the idea of the process of rediscovery or like mm-hmm. rediscovering things in the internet age, like. Mm. You know, it's like I kind of wonder if there's going to be, you know, how there's the all the stories about the, you know, the '80s or the '90s band who disbanded in complete obscurity, only to find that like their demos got spread through the internet. So one of them logged online and was just like, "Whoa, people are talking about that album that I swore only twelve people bought." Right. I guess we're going to like. You know, I guess we're considered legends now. We got to bring it back. Like, right. It's a band back together. I kind of wonder if that will still happen in an era where there's more posterity, which I I think is, you know, I'm all about posterity and that sort of thing. But it's that, I don't know. It's, I'm trying to think of how to articulate it, but it's just like that notion of, and like, you know, what sort of musical, obscurities that are from like the early internet or current internet mm-hmm. could be rediscovered years from now. Right. And how does that happen? And I'm not, you know, obviously I don't know how that would even work, but just like, I think what, one of the ways that could happen, it probably won't be like on a large scale of blowing up type thing, but at least being rediscovered mm-hmm. is there's a lot of labels these days that troll through that stuff and find albums that look completely obscure and then re-release them, um, which I yeah. love. I, I absolutely love labels that do that oh, yeah. because it, it lets you get in touch with a whole range of music that you know was kind of lost to the world for a long time. Oh yeah, like that, that's great. I, I yeah, there are a lot of labels that I do uh, see that with, right. and it does also sort of reinforce the idea of uh, culture getting a little more niche and like in a good way. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that that's sort of been stellar, but. Like what gets me about it though is that it is sort of like the most of them are trawling through like free internet, where right, like, yeah. you know the lost cassette tape from nineteen eighty four, right? Or, you know that something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Riding Easy has been doing a uh, they do the the brown acid or brown yeah they, yes they, I, they, love, they I love I love those like, that proto metal and all that kind of stuff like yes. it's, it's yeah. cool. Those compilations are awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's a really great series, too, especially for the bands that never, you know, recorded more than a single or a demo. Right. It's like, that's just so common. Right. Right. I would love to see, like, boom. I would love to see like that sort of thing for other genres of music, like uh, within, you know, other subgenres of metal and other genres of music. Like a mm. compilation series of undiscovered bands that had like one or two songs type thing. It'd be, it'd be sweet. Yeah. yeah. It, definitely, it, it definitely gets that sort of like mystical aura to it. And I, it's definitely harder to have that vibe nowadays. Right. But at the same time, I, I also kind of have that thing where I think that the way, the sort of way to respond to that is to do the literal opposite in terms of just like, you know, one of the things I, I find compelling in particular, I, I like when bands have, like, trivia, you know, and, like, fucking lore. Yeah, I love that, like, too. Like, just in that sense of, like, oh, this was how he wrote this song, or did you know that this, like, weird little thing happened to, during the recording process, and you can hear it at this part. Like, every album has those. Right. And, 
you know, I'm like, oh, you know, the most famous ones do get spread a lot. Right. And kind of build up as part of the legend. I always just have that thing personally, especially as like a band guy myself, where it's like, I love hearing about the making of and like right. the stories behind everything. And if you kind of like be more open about that, I think that kind of enhances the appreciation. I agree. And um, I think that things like podcasts and then like uh, rockumentaries and that sort of stuff really like shines a lot of that light on a lot of bands, which I, I always love watching and listening to that stuff for that reason, because you get to know not only the people in the band and what they're like as people, but also, like you said, all the interesting stories that made the music what it was. Right. Yeah, so I, I'm a sucker for that stuff for sure. Just like that, that's kind of like the low key goal of mine is just be like, you know, whenever I'm like all done with the music thing i can just like look back on like every you know all the projects and all the you know albums and just go through them like song by song and just be like yeah this is what i did you know it's just that feeling of like the it's the sort of like narrative aspect of it i guess right exactly it's that whole thing of like i can listen to like uh you know just like whenever somebody does like an album by album commentary or song by song commentary where uh -huh. uh, talk about their experiences with it. I, I live for that shit. Right. Like, well, in that, case, in that case, I'm going to, going to have you do that now then. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's at least talk about your music a little bit. Cause we've got you on here to help you promote it. So let's have you yeah, um, run us through a little bit. Um, do you want to start with Lava Born and talk about Black Wing Guards? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Great yeah. album. Thank you. Uh, I'm really proud of how it turned out. And it's, if there's, you know, one thing that I can say about Lottoborn, it's that, especially with that album, it's the sort of album that I've wanted to make ever since I was like 17 years old. You know, where it is just like that, you know, you put in like every like teenage metal has like dream band. Like, what would you put into it? Like, Lottoborn was mine, where it is just like that. Oh, I wanted to be all like, upbeat heavy metal with like spooky dark satanic lyrics and the vocals are like melodic but it's lower pitch so it isn't just like a straight like bruce dickinson imitation or whatever that's mm. like that was always the album that i wanted to make when i was younger and it's just like you know i, I yeah I, i'm proud of that and, and awesome. what's funny about it is like like a lot of the lyrics on that album were from when I was like in high school and college even. So it was just like, oh, here's the, you know, I've been, I have a habit of sitting on stuff for a long time before I release it or like rehearse it. But um, like the, a lot of the Longborn lyrics were written in like 2009, 2010. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to like spend the next couple of years figure out the music for these. And, then like 10 years later i'll be like actually work stopping them with people it's it's kind of an interesting feeling of like reconnecting with a certain part of yourself if that makes right sense. right and you worked yeah, with yeah. um sean from Wiseblood to release that one which is awesome because we, we are huge fans here of sean and Wiseblood records yeah uh, yeah sean's been really great to work with like i I knew him back from the indie metal ball days because he was also involved with that website. And, okay. You know, and he was telling me about how he was going to get a label together. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, that'll be cool. You know, I hope that goes well. And 
<laughs> and then, of course, like the first releases that he puts out from it are the EPs from Mother of Graves and Grave Ripper. Right. Like, okay. All right. You <laughs> legit have my attention now. Yeah, you've done and, it. <laughs> yeah. And there was just such like a, you know, we went for it. And I love to see it, especially with those bands being local. It was just such like a, yeah, I really felt like something. And right. so I kind of kept that in the back of my mind when we finished uh, recording the album. Like, like with my previous band, Spirit Division, you know, we did we just self-released everything. We, uh, you know, we had a label that we were going to get for one of the albums, but it ended up not going through. But when we finished Black Wing of Gods, there was that sense of like, okay, I, you know, we should have a label for this. Right. And so, you know, I shopped it. You know, send it out a couple different places. You know, some came back and were pretty cool about it. Um, but uh, I sent it to Sean just to be like, you know, hey, wanted to have this on your radar. And he was, you know, he was definitely on board and he was very open about like how he wanted to go about doing things and what the strategy was. And, yeah, and even since its release, like he'll let us know about like stuff that pops up and you know we have also gotten to be friends with other bands on the label uh right you know, especially since there are more locals on there too it's gotten to be pretty tight-knit and like I, i've been really privileged to see that like straight from the ground up and it's only getting bigger exactly yeah. he uh he's done a killer cool. job his stuff is like on everyone's radar perpetually yeah like anything he puts out every 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 review side picks it up basically so he's killing it yeah, oh, yeah. the Absolutely. bands are all like slightly different you know they're like great unique bands you know yeah exactly yeah, it's, it's not a good spread still something for everybody it's one of those things where it's he has his particular sweet spots for sure and I, i've talked yeah. to him about that and it's one of the but there's also like a good variety like and I, I think it also reflected pretty good on, you know, in Lava Born, where it is just sort of that thing of, while we are more like doom or traditional metal, because of how we're set up, we can throw down with just about, you know, any sort of metal band where it's like we've done shows with like death metal bands and that sort of thing and managed to fit on pretty decently. So it, it kind of reflected that aspect of us too really well, I think. Right. Exactly. Um, I guess next we want to hear about uh, Sky Speakers. Yeah, uh, Sky Speakers has been, uh, it's definitely like a more of a contrast from what Lavamore does. And that's sort of by design. Like, I already have Lav, I've had Lavamore going since about 2017, uh, is when we all started, is when I uh, talked to our guitarist Brandon about getting things set up. Uh, Sky Speakers has been going, like, technically, it's, we we decided to use that name last year, mm-hmm. but we kind of started the project that became the Sky Speakers in 2019. So we started a bit. I started a band uh, after my after Spirit Division disbanded. I kind of had that thing where it's like, you know, I don't want to make another band like that, but I do want to like have a project that's more psychedelic that I play bass. That was, you know, so you know, I still kind of wanted to do something in that vein and. But, you know, I wanted to push the psychedelic aspect even further, where it would just be like, you know, hey, what if we had a saxophonist in here? And, you know, and it just kind of kept going. And and now uh, the lineup that we're at now, we don't have a guitarist, but it's myself, 
doing bass and vocals. Our mm-hmm. uh, uh, drummer Patrick uh, Jesse, who is uh, our saxophonist and does uh, you know lead vocals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of split vocal duties. Uh, she's been taking more lead lately. Okay. And then uh, we also have our uh, keyboardist Leah, and so that's kind of been like the uh, core lineup now. And that's you know we've been working on the EP for a while. Yeah, and it was kind of one of those things of this is stuff that we like. The reason why we call the EP Echo Hall is that was the name of the uh, group before we decided to change the name. Okay, so it was kind of one of those things of like, oh, we've been Echo Hall for about three years, and but we're going to change the name to the Sky Speakers. So let's like have all the songs that we were playing while we were still Echo Hall be part of the EP as like. Uh, not only like a foot in the door for us as a band, but also to like push it forward. Right. And so like the foot in the door sort of thing, but also right. just being like, yeah. And, you know, we kind of did it as a bit more of a low key release. Like it was kind of one of those, let, let's put it out there just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and since then, uh, you know, we've gotten a couple shows in, uh, we've also started working on new material which is like like one of the things with Echo Hall, uh, the songs on there were written while we were still kind of figuring out what sort of lineup we wanted to have. Like, you know, we had a, a guitarist in there for a couple of years. And so like on the uh, EP, uh, we had like, I did some of the guitar on it and uh, Jesse's husband uh, did some of the guitar as well uh, on like a studio basis. But you know, since then, the stuff that we've been writing has been very much with this, you know, bass, drum, synthesizer, saxophone mold, where, you know, I'm, I've been jamming on stuff that's like, I don't know what the fuck a guitar would even do here. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, like, sure, you could say like, oh, the guitar just be following the bass or whatever. And that's what we did on the EP for a lot right. of it. But with this newer stuff, it's, you know, it's something else. And like the way that we have it set is that it's like, you know, on bass, I'm providing a lot of like what a rhythm guitar would play. The saxophone does a lot of like what a lead guitar would do. And the keys are, you know, filling out everything else. There. So it's just like, I, I think we're pretty covered. That's awesome. I, I can't wait to hear it because yeah, for, me, for me personally, um, this is my favorite thing you've put out, like the Sky Speakers EP. I absolutely love this album. Um, the, the way you guys like work the saxophone into the actual writing of the tracks was fantastic because so many bands, and I, I said this in my review, but so many bands kind of leave saxophone as an afterthought. It's like kind of something that they just put in or layer in and it kind of just follows the rhythm of something else or another instrument um, or takes the place of something that should be written a different way. But you yeah. guys wrote the actual songs heavily involving the saxophone, which I love. Yeah, thanks. So it was, it, Jesse puts a lot of thought into you know, what she wants to play out particular stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it is pretty straightforward, but then other times it'll be like, you know, trying to find ways to look for a different scale or, you know, a right. different phrasing. I think that comes through. That was definitely what I wanted when I, you know, asked her about it. It's just, right. yeah, like, yeah, like she does really well with it. But I think like the mixing and mastering was a big part of that as well, because saxophone can be a really overbearing instrument um mm-hmm. uh, it, it can be a little high-pitched a little like naggy uh, you know it kind of can get at you a little bit if you if you do it wrong but it I can think, take uh, over yeah exactly it can take over as well and smother the other instruments so yeah it's a tough one to work with but you guys made it work 
Thanks. Uh, our uh, drummer Patrick did the uh, production on the uh, EP. It was, uh, you know, we tracked it uh, in uh, his and Leah's place, uh, and then he did the mixing. And there was a little bit of like, uh, we were trying to figure out how we wanted to have like the mix and master done, but uh, he ended up doing all of it, and yeah, it turned out really great. And I, I do like how you know it's all pretty well balanced, and you know, it also keeps like that atmosphere to it. And, we kind of have that thing where, like, uh, after we record it, we sort of have the sit down of like everybody bringing a song by a different band that you think would be a good frame of reference to keep in mind for like the post production stuff. Like, right? What sort of vibes are we aiming for? And yeah, and that, that was a fun little thing to do. Like, a, that really gave it even more perspective, I think. And is there any sort of like a timeline or when the next one's going to be coming out? I'm going to figure out. I'm leaning toward, if not later this year, then probably next year. Like okay. 2024 is probably going to be when the uh, next releases of for the Sky Speakers and Wild Born come out. Okay. Because nice. it's where we're both, uh, both bands are in the writing stages right now. Mm -hmm. Uh I'll say Skyspeakers have more material accrued right now, but that's also very different writing processes. Like, uh, like in the Skyspeakers, it tends to be like it's a lot, like the songs are a lot looser, where this is kind of like, you know, somebody, I'll, you know, come in with like a riff or a skeleton and we'll just sort of jam around on it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like Lava Born, the way the songs are written and executed, it's very, it's more precise. Right. Where it is just like, you know, like when I brought it, like most of these songs on Black Winged Gods or Skeletons that I had and a couple that uh, our guitarist Brandon had, mm -hmm. yeah, that we uh, collaborated on. And a lot of it was pretty much like there are things that you can add to this in terms of like layers and that sort of thing. But structurally, this is generally where it's going to be. Whereas right. like Sky Speakers will just be like, uh, how long am I playing this riff? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll figure out some stuff to work around it, so to speak. <laughs> okay. At least with our newer <laughs> material. But uh, yeah, we're like both bands are pretty good on, uh, you know, making good headway on writing. Mm -hmm. The hope is to start recording with both of them later this year. So, so yeah, it's a uh, 2024 is feeling pretty realistic for both right now. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I have one more question for you, and then going to hand things over to Brendan because he has some special questions he always likes to ask. But um, yeah. do you want to tell us a little about your solo projects? Yeah, that's going to be what I was going to segue to next there. Uh, Sweet. There you go. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Cloud of Souls, uh, yeah, it's like um, it basically kind of started as sort of an offshoot from my previous solo band. is called uh, Christopher Steve, where it's basically just like, you know, me doing like folk stuff, you know, generally like. Uh, singer songwriter, so a lot of acoustic material. I I put out an EP and an album under the name, and you know I kind of just left it at that. But the idea of Cloud of Souls is that it's kind of like the ideas of it are to make it more like eclectic genre-wise, and to have it be sort of like a collective in terms of like the lineup or like sort of like a rotating sort of thing where I bring on you know. A couple people, you know, different people to collaborate on different stuff and like, you know, basically just have that idea of this is the sort of album that I want to do right now. Who would be good to 
help me with that. And right. I managed to, uh, one of the things that I did last fall was I recorded two albums worth of solo material. Uh, the first one and the one that's like ready to go and it's done, it'll be the one that I release first. Uh, it's more, it's the most extreme stuff where I've ever, that I've ever done. Okay. Where it's sort of like on that line of like black metal with like, you know, my usual like doom and heavy metal in there. But like a lot of like last beats and growl vocals and you know the dankest rich that I could come up with you know so that's going to be an album and I recorded that at uh, uh, Tucker's uh, of uh, Throne of Iron Studio okay yeah and he um, did like the drums on it and some of the leads you know so that's going to be an album and then another that I recorded is like the opposite of that where this is going okay. to be like you know this is like a really slow mellow melancholic not quite folk but you know still that sort of vibe where it's just like neil young with extra pink floyd so you're going for the uh the whole opeth damnation deliverance duality thing kind of i i had kind of thought of that uh at least to start and then i have like uh i have a third album that i'm sitting on right now that i'm going to try to also try to figure out in the next year or two but uh, yeah, it's kind of like that, and also just sort of like the, I kind of think it was like the King Gizzard method. Okay. Where it is just kind of like that thing of like you know how there's that thing that's like oh King Gizzard will basically just write babe, <laughs> like oh they did like three albums this year, one of them yep. was the garage rock album, one of them was the electronic album, and one of them was like the we decided to go like heavy metal album, you know, right sort of thing. It's that whole just, I, I've always liked the idea of bands that like change that drastically. Like right. it's one thing to do that whole thing of like, you know, how Mr. Bungle will have like the, oh, we wrote this one song that has five genres in it. Yeah. I, I've always just been such an, I want more of the whole, I want the more pack, the full package of just being like, Hey, you know that little part right there where you do that really cool thrash break? What if that was an album? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, hey, can we just like, yeah, just that sort of idea of just being like, hey, I want to try out this style this time. And I've always just liked the idea of, you know, projects where you can listen to them and because of how eclectic they are, mm-hmm. there's that sense of like, wow, this person really loves like a lot of stuff. I've always liked bands like that. Right. Like, you know, with like King Gizzard, especially, like, you can kind of tell that they just listen to so much stuff. Right. Uh, and and it's not even like that it's like a joke, it's that they just like it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, know, so I mean, my, of, my only thing with them, sometimes I wish that maybe they would put out like one less album and then take some of the, like the better tracks from one of them, put them into another one's better tracks so you get like one really solid album. Because I, yeah. I I like I like the music, but sometimes I feel like there's a bit too much filler across their discography. Mm. I, I can I, see, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where some of the experiments work better than others. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what it comes yeah. Down of course, to. What's, yeah, and then it's also kind of interesting on the flip side where it would just be like, oh, you didn't like that one? That one was my favorite. Or right, like, yeah. I wish they do another one like it. Or it's you know, it's like I always find that sort of thing really cool. When people feel the exact opposite way to you when you're talking to them about it. Right. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. being like, 
Well, I mean, I I especially appreciate that you had mentioned that the uh, Skyspeakers EPs, you know, you said that was your favorite release mm-hmm. that I've done. Mm-hmm. And I always like to know, like, what are, like, the... Uh, I, it's such an egotistical thing. It feels like... <laughs> I feel like I'm on a particular ego thing tonight, and I apologize for that. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, but it's that whole thing of, I always do kind of want to know, like, hey, if you listen to my stuff, what, what was your favorite? Which one did you like the most? Like, uh-huh. And that's not even like, a, I don't know, I just like to know. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it says a lot about the person, and then it's also like, that weird, I think where most musicians would see that, it's like, oh, that was at a really weird time in my life. I don't really think about that one. Right, okay. But, <laughs> you know, and like, or just like that general thing that I've run into where like, the idea of filler is such, like as a songwriter, like obviously there is stuff that you like spend more time on than other stuff, mm-hmm. but there will always be that thing where I've had like every song he listed as someone's favorite on a review or whatever. Right. Where it has been like, there will be a couple that come up the most, but even the songs where I'll just be like, oh, that was my least favorite by like a country mile. Right. That'll still be like somebody's highlight. And it's like, oh, okay. That's, huh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> well, it's, fu- it's funny because like, as you know, I-, I have the PR stuff I do on the side and I've spoken to people sometimes and they're talking about like picking singles. And I'll be like, you should pick yeah, this yeah. song as a single. This is like a really good one. And they're like, oh, I really don't like that track. I'm like, what? That's like the most like catchy, accessible track on the album. They're like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So yeah, you're right. It, it is so subjective um, yeah. to, to what people like and what people don't like. So filler, like you said, is, is, is a subjective term for the most part. There are definitely some songs that some bands have put out that are objectively filler. Um, yeah. Well, it's, but- well, it's like the... I mean, it depends on how you define filler, where it is just sort of like the, like, literal filler absolutely ex- exists, where it's just like, you know, the this song we just pulled out of our ass, but it's like, right, right. Paranoid was filler. They wrote Paranoid in 15 minutes. Wow, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was one of the things about Sad is Paranoid, was that originally they were going to call the album War Pigs, but it was deemed too controversial because of the Vietnam War. Right. And so their label kind of gave them like, okay, write a single. And it was like, what, a single? What do we do? It's, you know, it's honey's just kind of doing like a. Hey, do that again. Do what again? That. You know, and it's just like. Wow. It's as filler as it gets. On like a literal definition, they like got it together really quickly. But it's such a staple song that it's just like, oh fuck yeah! It worked out, right? Fifteen minutes and the right there. Um, yeah, just like, because we ha- we have to kind of wrap up in about twenty minutes, so I just want to quickly kick over to Brendan because I know he has some uh, topics he likes to discuss. So, do you want to uh, fire yeah. away your uh, patented questions? Uh, sure, sure. Um, well, where are we gonna get a Hoosier sandwich? Uh, a Hoosier sandwich. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who's uh, Gotta get a tender one. Definitely gotta get the tender one. Yeah. Is there a spot um near you that does that kind of stuff? Or uh, well, if we're talking like the best, uh, 
you know, you got to get out to Kumas, uh, especially like, you know, that's technically they started in Chicago, but they have a, a branch here in Indy that's really good. Uh, definitely recommend that. Uh, I'm not sure what else I can add to as far as sandwiches go. That was all the outdoor. Have you guys done uh, live shows at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Like, um, what's your mm-hmm. uh, favorite song to play live? Uh, let's see. Well, we're still kind of figuring it, feeling that out with uh, Sky Speakers. Uh, since that's been about, uh, we played about four shows now, I think three or four shows. First, uh, to try to figure out the favorite there. But um, with Lava Born, I, I would say uh, Prove Your Worth is definitely that one that's like, okay, yeah, this one's probably going to be in the set forever. Because it is just such like, uh, yeah, it's a real rousing one, I think. And it's just such, uh, it's definitely the Call to Arms one, you know? Nice. So it's going to be pretty fun live. Nice, nice, nice. Where's your um, favorite place to play? Uh, here in Indy, I uh, cannot uh, endorse Black Circle enough. Uh, they're definitely the uh, metal bar as far as Indy goes. And, so, you know, we, we played there plenty. And that's, you know, that's always a good time. Oh, yeah. The uh, crowd comes out for you. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to. That's awesome. Um, on the opposite side of there, uh, where, where's your least favorite place to play? That's asking for trouble. Okay, you don't have to say a name, but I guess what was like the worst experience that you had playing a venue? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll name names. Fuck it. Uh, don't play the Emerson. Just, just don't. It's not a good idea. If you're looking for somewhere to play an MD, do not do that. <laughs> and what? What's the reason behind that? So many, but okay. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to go into detail. <laughs> uh, if you value live sound and good bathrooms, okay. uh, to set. There you go. I mean, there's something to be said about a clean bathroom, no matter where you are. Exactly. So, um, I was gonna say. So, have you had like a uh, like what was like your worst experience uh, playing like? as far as like uh, equipment malfunctions and such? Uh, well, there's always one show that stands out in my memory. This was years ago. Uh, well, not like years, but that, about 10 years ago was uh, one of the first shows Beer Division played. Uh, we kind of had that sort of bill that was sort of thrown together at the last minute. And it was on a Wednesday night and not really, anybody didn't really have the best pull. So it, it definitely was one of those like, oh, there's like five people here on a Wednesday. And yeah, I'm like in the middle of that set. Uh, I think it was our guitarist at the time is the amp was shorting out. And it was just kind of like we managed to get it going. It took a minute, but it, it kind of was like the, it's one of those moments where you stop and think, which you shouldn't be able to do during, do during the show. The entire point of the show is that you don't think. Right. Don't think, just do it. Muscle memory goes a long way. So that's always the, that, that's one of the ones that keeps me up at night. <laughs> oh. um, what was um, your, your favorite show, like, um, to be at as a, uh, as a, as a patron, as a fan? Uh, I would probably say, uh, I, the one time I got to see Clutch was, Clutch is always like the 
one of the definitive live bands. Like I, I kind of get picky about seeing stuff live in general. Yeah. But like Clutch was one of the best shows I've seen personally. Oh yeah. Well, uh, what's one of the uh, weirdest foods you've ever eaten? Hmm. I don't know. I'm to, well, that's always a weird. Cause it's like, huh? What do we consider weird? Because there's just like, huh. I mean, there's stuff that you kind of hear about, but don't really try until later. It's, like you kind of forget how weird it is. Uh, like for me, I always felt like sushi is like hit or miss. You know, like is that like mm-hmm. weird or is it good? Like sometimes I feel like it's good, and then other times I'm like, sushi is always good. Just gonna say that. Yeah, I can get into some sushi. Sometimes like, uh, it's weird. Well, it's uh, I I would say uh, I I could stand to do more Indian food for sure. Hmm. I I can. Like Indian food is one of those ones where it's like I haven't gone as deep as I'd like, but whenever I do try it, I go for it. And one of my girlfriends loves Indian food, so yeah, Indian food's really good. It's really good. Like it depends mm-hmm. on like the like the quality of the place you're going to get it versus like mm-hmm. you know because like, I've been to a restaurant where I I was like, is that tendon that I'm pulling out of this right now? Great, great, because I can't, I don't want to chew on that, you know, or like pieces of bone and stuff, you know, you're just like, well, well that's well, I'm well, totally unappetizing right now. You know, what I will say about that's Indian funny. food is it's like, it's kind of like Italian food in that it's very heavy. Um, yeah. Like, you always feel like that, you know, you kind of want to lie down for a bit after you have a lot of it. Gives you the itis. The itis. Exactly. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, one thing I do actually find is like going along with like international stuff, like, there's plenty to be said for like what kinds of snacks are a thing in yes. different parts of the world where it'll be yes. like, like that's what you guys eat. That's okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, like some people are like eating like when, fried bugs and like stuff, you know, you're like, what? That's just on the regular. Whenever I uh, travel anywhere, like uh, I always make sure I go to like a supermarket in any country I visit mm-hmm. and just go through, like, like you said, the snack section, See what they have yep. in like the potato chips or like what kind of candy. Like you're right, yeah, that's fascinating. Right. Same, same with sodas too, like the soft drinks and sodas and stuff. Like I love seeing even energy drinks, like seeing what they do. Like every country has their own stuff, and it's always interesting to try all that stuff. Oh, for sure. It's well, it's like um like Kit Kats are even a big one where it's like like in a and in the States at least, they're treated as more like a chocolate bar, but you know, you go to like Japan where they're seen as more of a wafer. So they have right. like 50 flavors of, flavors of Kit Kats that never like get over here. Or if they do, it's in very specialized places. Right. So, so just that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, I always find that fascinating. Same with like fast yeah. food chains. Like it's kind of interesting to go to McDonald's and other countries and see what like special items they have. Or like mm-hmm. just, just to check that out because they actually customize their menu quite a bit uh, by country. Like yeah. Vietnam had a whole pork menu when I was there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like that stuff too. That's always... I've seen that happen as well. And, you know, I still remember getting out to, uh, like, I did a study abroad trip to Austria back in high school. And mm-hmm. one of the uh, McDonald's in Vienna had just, like, beer. Had beer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Go get hammered at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> All the Applebee's memes up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the one thing about Applebee's that I can appreciate is that for the price, their uh, margarita buckets are pretty good. 
Oh yeah. And yeah I, can, <laughs> I can confirm that. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, I've had some good nights on Applebee's margaritas. Oh, I just trying to get more in, really. I haven't been to Applebee's in like 10, 15 years. <laughs> go go hang out and have some mugs. I uh, I was I was there last year. Um, and I did, that's not somewhere I go out of my way to go. But if you have to, like, if you're meeting someone and like, let's meet at Applebee's or something, then it's like, all right, right, uh, right, right. Have some drinks. I actually had a oh, at yeah, Applebee's yeah. Uh, a couple months ago, so I can confirm that. <laughs> um, we've got about ten minutes left, so I just wanted to ask you, what, uh, Brendan, do you have any more questions left, or is that the was that the um, last one? No, no, we're good. We're good. Cool. I just wanted to ask you because you do review music. Uh, did you have any, like maybe let's say top two or three albums uh, last year that kind of stood out to you? Uh, yeah, uh, I did manage to get out. Well, normally I do a, a top 20 list toward the end of the year. Uh, I actually managed to do a top 25. But um, uh-huh. like the, I'll say my, my album of the year was um, uh, 40 Watt Sun's new one, uh, Perfect Light. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of have a thing where it seems like every year I'll kind of find my favorite early on where it's like that album came out in January. And when I heard it, it kind of became like the benchmark that I compared everything else to. Yeah. Not, not in the sense of like what's trying to do the same thing so much as like, okay, this is like the window of quality. If it's as good as this, I I'm down, you know, like that, that album like resonated really deeply with me. Uh, it, it's definitely a mood album for sure, but uh-huh. it's a fucking good mood. Patrick Walker is just a genius, apparently. Such a I actually, uh, I actually haven't listened to that yet, so I need to actually check that out because I have listened to all their other stuff. I just that one slipped mm-hmm. under my radar. Yeah, I, I recommend it for sure. It's a little more low key than their first couple. Like, mm-hmm. It's the doom is gone. It's gone. It's never coming back. We're we're full slow core now. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very folky for sure. It's like that's fine. Though. I'm, I'm a big folk fan. It's great. We we don't need more Doom. War- warning: He already perfected it. Like it's done. He he did Doom. It's finished. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he got pretty good. Uh, let's see. From there, uh, my number two pick. Uh, was the uh, new album by Mesa, uh, Close. I thought that was incredible. Yes, Especially very good. This is like, well, if I'd heard of Mesa with their first couple, and they're kind of one of those bands where it was just like, they're getting some hype now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but I feel like I will be there. And the Close happens. Like, okay, I'm there. And- <laughs> it's funny because Mesa and- actually, Close actually clicked for me two weeks ago. After the new year started, um, I, I listened to it once or twice last year because, like you said, I saw the hype, um, mm. and then I was like, I, I kind of listened to it, and like, it was this is pretty good, and then I never came back to it, and then I kind of reassessed it again in January. I was like, man, I, I was kind of going back and other stuff that I kind of thought I'd not paid attention to closely enough, right? And I listened to it again. I'm like, damn, okay, I get it. This like, I don't know why this didn't click for me right away. This is al- this album's like a ten out of ten. Yeah, it's so damn good. Like. And the instrumentation is really good with it. Yeah. I feel yeah. like the structures are really focused. There's like the buildups are just so effective. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely one of those albums that I had in mind when 
I was, you know, working on more skyscraper stuff, especially lately, where it's kind of been like that, you know, that sort of more freeform idea of like Mesa has definitely been an inspiration on that sort of direction. Right. I mean, I love the fact that they had like the oud and uh, like the mandolin and all those like you know those other instruments that give it that sort of atmospheric mm-hmm. quality. Um, it made it kind of oh, seem yeah, like a little like a, like like a little mystical. Um, you know, like, I I love that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, especially when it's just like yeah, it kind of has like that sort of ritualistic feel to it. Like yeah, you kind of get in the middle of it. It's like, huh, am I summoning something? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This yep. Is cool. <laughs> Uh, the other one that like I, I reassessed at the same time as that one that I, I love now and I don't know why I didn't earlier was uh do you know the otolith? Oh yeah, that was Polium like, uh Limina. Oh yeah, I thought that was terrific. That's fantastic. I, I missed that yeah. as well. I'm like god damn, I slept on so much it's it's just too much. There's too much music. It's like impossible yeah. to to get it all. But as long as you come back to it eventually, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Well, that's always the trick is trying to figure out. I mean, one of the things that I kind of run into is that angle of there's always so much stuff that comes out. You know, you kind of have to, it, it can be hard to remember to go back to things. Right. Yeah. Especially right. with that sort of thing of like, like the best albums tend to be the ones that don't reveal everything the first time you hear them. Yeah. But reveal enough of everything or at least right. like, yes this is sitting at like a 90 right now come back and it'll go up to 95 or 98 or whatever right yeah that, that was or that was me that was me with my album of the year um my album of the year was uh ash inspire hostile architecture mm-hmm. um like for me I, I really liked it the first time i heard it but then i was like man there's something about that i've got to listen to that again and i did and like to listen again so i ended up listening to it like four times in full in like 10 days and i just became obsessed with it i'm like this is like there's so much to this like is this so much to unpack it's one of those things where it's like i mean it's sort of like the replay value of like a video game or something where it's like right you can play through a game once through and be like okay i got a lot out of this it's a fantastic game and i can tell just by playing through it for the first time but if you play through it again and again and it invites you to do so, that'll just make you appreciate it a little deeper. Exactly. Right. And there's there's movies and shows like that too, where like once you've understood yeah. the the whole context of the show, you watch it again, you're like, okay, so they've put so much stuff into this that like you would never have been able to pick up on until later in the show, but you watch it again and it's like Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's like I think there's something to be said for like offering just enough on the surface to where like, you know, you can think very highly of it going in but that yeah. can get even deeper the more you spend with it right uh sorry to take you off course uh i've got about five minutes mm-hmm. left but i um, want to get your last album of the year the top three what was the third one? Uh, third one uh was uh ruby the hatchet uh who uh, was a cruel master nice nice yeah, that was that was a great one like ruby the hatchet was like you know been a fan of them for a while like they had an album in 2017 and that was like okay that's really good and I think that was like, I think that got on my list for that year, but probably at like 17 or something. Okay. But, um, but with this one, it was just such like, it, it's a whole new level for them, you know, where it's like everything about it is just so tight and punchy and, all, you know, catchy and just vibrant. It's just 
fun to listen to. And then, you know, and I had the experiences of, you know, like I got to, I went to Psycho Las Vegas this year. Nice. And Ruby Hatcher was one of the bands playing. And so that was definitely one of those, like, yeah, they played a bunch, you know, the songs from the album that I recognized, but then they also mixed in a bunch of newer stuff. And just with like how the, you know, the good sound was, how the performances were, there was that sense of like, oh, damn, those songs are fucking good on the album. I just, you can just tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the album's like, holy shit, yeah, this is, this isn't just like the best for them. It's one of the best of, you know, of the year. So as soon as I heard it, it's like, yeah, this was going somewhere in my top five. I don't know where, but yeah, it's a nice. Three. Okay. That was, that was, um, Fear is a Cruel Master, right? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was a good album. I like that. Brendan, have you heard that one? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you'll like it. You, you got to check that one out. Yeah, um, it's definitely one of those ones, especially if you go for stuff like Uriah Heat. They're like the 21st century Uriah Heat, and mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up here, but just quickly before we do, is there anything that you kind of want to like uh, put out there for like, <laughs> You know, for like people who are listening to check out or like look look forward to like what's coming up, what's coming out type thing. Uh, just uh, all the uh, projects are across varying socials. Uh, uh, face uh, Lavaborn and Skyspeakers are on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, 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 Souls has Facebook up right now. Uh, you know, Lavaborn is on like Blackwing Guns is on Bandcamp and uh, Spotify and streaming just about everywhere. Uh, we just have the Sky Speakers EP just on Bandcamp and YouTube right now. But I'm hoping to get that across the board, you know, here in the near future. Uh, in terms of stuff coming up, uh, I do have the uh, two Cloud of Souls albums. Uh, I have those set to release sometime this year. Like, not at the same time, but probably one earlier in the year, the other later in the year. Uh, so look out for those. Uh, and then, like I said, Lava Born and Sky Speakers are aiming to start recording by the end of the year so definitely uh aiming to stay as busy as i can awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show uh really appreciate it and you have so much stuff coming out that we'll have to have you on again either later this year or early next year to talk about that so yeah awesome i I appreciate it Uh, thanks for uh, having me on for this time and uh thanks to everybody who uh, checks it out i agree yeah yeah thank you everyone for listening and uh come back next week we'll have another episode for you